Hello and welcome to another episode of Bernessa. We're back for the first episode of 2024. Today I'm delighted to have Kiefer Jones joining us to share a snapshot of his experiences as a classical baritone singer and teacher. So on top of this, Beth and I are also going to experience some of the techniques used to warm up and project your voice. So keep listening to hear that. So welcome Kiefer. Hello, thank you so much for asking me to be part of this. Very exciting. Mm, it's good to have you on. So to get started, could you please just introduce yourself and some things you get up to in your average working week, please? Okay, um, so my name's Kiefer. I'm originally from Anglesey in North Wales, uh, currently living in Bridgend at the moment, down in South Wales. And my average week is filled with working with singers in training, so people that are wanting to enter the musical theatre industry predominantly, based in Cardiff. So that, that's my normal week, Monday to Friday. Some of it online, majority of it face-to-face. No, so that's really interesting that you're doing that kind of diverse multimedia way of delivery. Obviously, I know some of what you've done previously, but could you just tell us a bit more about the different types of work? So obviously, is this freelance work what you're doing? So you're working for yourself and have you had any more traditional roles where you've been employed by company or employer? Yeah, so any kind of musician or professional artist will tell you that a full time role in this world is quite hard to come by. So the majority of us spend our time being part-time employed by sometimes five or six different places and also self-employed, which can be difficult. You know, you've got lots of different hats to wear over the week, sometimes two in the same day. But also you really have to be switched on in terms of your tax and making sure that you're paying the right amount because you can, you know, you can really get hit hard by that. Yeah, I know you've worked with some really big companies. Are there any that, that the audience might have heard of or things that you want to include in terms of those experiences? I know you've worked here at Bang University and still are a member of staff, you know, doing some work here. Um, any other ones you want to mention? Well, it's, it's great to be five years on for um, still a member of the music teaching team at Bangor University. But I've also had the amazing experience of teaching at Italia Conti, which is one of the UK's leading uh, training centres for the performing arts, where I really came into my own. It really boosted my confidence to be working at such a reputable place with a long history of success stories. So that's that's been fantastic. Currently, I'm teaching at Wavda, which is based in Cardiff, which is the Wales Academy of Voice and Dramatic Arts. So, so yes, the, these places are all working with people who are super passionate about what they want to do. And that's what really gives me the fulfillment in the teaching yeah. role is because you both feel equally invested in what you're working on. Yeah. You mentioned there about building your confidence. To what the outside world, you probably come across as really confident. Has that always been the case or have you built that over time? It's strange. It's such a strange topic. I mean, it fluctuates. You know, you have some days where everything's working great. You know, you feel like I've answered every question someone's asked me today and you feel really confident. And then the next day you, you, you just don't. One thing that I think has kept me humble till to this day is that I always feel like I'm learning. Every single lesson I give, I learn something. And I never, I hope I never get to the point where I go, do you know what? I know everything. I know everything there is to know about how the voice works or about singing. I hope I never get to that day because then the growth stops and I don't want to stop learning. So, yeah, I think confidence is, is a work in progress. But I think staying humble is part of just always learning, always wanting to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love when you say that, Kiefer. It's like, you know, when you were saying that you want someone to be as passionate as you, and that makes such a difference because it makes you way more motivated. It's so interesting to me. I kind of mentioned it earlier. Like, I have never met anyone with a background like you, but I'm not, never been involved with the arts or music or anything either. So that's why. But it's so interesting to me, the range of experiences you've had. Is this something you always thought you'd end up doing? Like, you know, these experiences, have you gravitated towards it all your life? Or, like, has That's that a worked? really good question. I've always been musical, even though I don't necessarily come from an academic family setting or even a musical family setting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was the first in our unit to go to university. Um, and I went in as a pianist first and then quickly realised I think I wasn't really as good as the other people. And so they said, oh, do you sing? And I was like, oh, God, I don't know. We'll try. (laughs) And then just kind of fell into it by accident, really. But I think the passion for performing was always there. The passion for um, wanting to lead music work was always there. You know, and I've been inspired by watching other teachers do that because it seemed like such a power to be able to hold people and create something as a group musically just seemed like a super, super power. And I thought, oh, God, I really <laughs> want to be that person. <laughs> no, it's interesting how you say you've fallen into it by accident, because obviously on this podcast we've spoken to such a range of people and a lot of the career stories have kind of been so different, but also for the listeners just knowing that opportunities might not necessarily follow what paths you think they're going to follow, but actually it's those core values. So like you said, you like that kind of feeling. So would you say that it's more about your priorities work-wise and your the things you will choose to do are those that marry up with your values of what is important to you is that is that a fair assumption as, as the time goes by that is more and more the case absolutely I mean when I did my undergrad I thought I'll probably be a, a secondary school music teacher and that's not and I'm not discrediting that they are absolute superstars I did it for six months and and I have to say it was the toughest six months <laughs> of my career I mean I it's just and that comes back to what we said because in that setting, for me, I didn't feel like I was ha- I was getting a mutual investment of energy. You know, half the students mm-hmm. didn't want to really come to music. Do you know what I mean? They'd rather mm-hmm. be in another class. And so for me, the fulfillment wasn't there. That was quite soul-destroying. And then I knew I just am not meant to be working in this setting at this level for me to feel happy and fulfilled and pleased with my work. Yeah, and I think as well, you must, with all your different experiences, be able to reflect after that. And I can imagine that reflection is quite important for you to think about people you've worked with and those relationships. And obviously for anyone who's trying to get different experiences, it's nice to hear that you've had so many. So have you had any skills that have helped you overcome things that haven't quite gone to plan or anything that you think would be useful for people to kind of consider as a positive really that you know not everything's going to go to plan and that's not personal yeah oh that's a really juicy question Um, (laughs) oh where to begin where to begin I would say one of the hardest lessons that I learned in my first professional music job I was in my second year of uni and I started a choir in Bangor for people affected by cancer and I learned very quickly in that job that no matter how much you invest emotionally in something, mm-hmm. if that is not met and matched from the people you're working with, you will never get to the place where you're truly happy with something. Now, that's not mm-hmm. to say I didn't enjoy the role. I love the role and I've made some of my absolute best friends for life through that first job and amazing connections. But it, it made me learn that sometimes, you know, maybe putting in a bit less emotional investment into your work 
actually keeps you protected to a degree because you're not then upset or hurt when you don't meet the things you're expected to meet. You know, it wasn't the best performance, perhaps, or it wasn't the greatest sound you you had hoped for. Um, and, this, you know, if we all have targets in our job, sometimes you're not going to meet those targets. And if you've emotionally invested in meeting those targets, it's all the more painful for you then when sometimes you just can't achieve that. So actually holding a little bit of your emotional investment back, I think, is quite a protected way to work until you're sure that what you're receiving in terms of energy is matching your input as well. Yeah, really good answer to quite a juicy question. Like you said, what I think is as well, you kind of alluded to it. And I think your answer is about that balance between for you, your passion is your work. So that work-life balance, is that hard to maintain? That's a really good point. I mean, a lot of people listening to this, you know, and probably maybe yourselves as well, you might have different email accounts. You might have a work phone just for work. And it's so important to detach ourselves from those when we are not working. (laughs) Um, I mean, without trying, we will still go home and have conversations with partners about how your day was. And that's absolutely fine. But I think the importance of taking the hat off is absolutely massive and we don't we're not good at it it takes practice we have to practice it actually it's a bit like sleep I think we have to practice getting good sleep as well (laughs) so I think reminding ourselves to just be ourselves take the professional hat off suddenly our voices change we're speaking differently you know I'm not in teacher voice now I'm not (laughs) dictating anything you know we're just having a conversation come back to being you because that's where the the releases, I think, and then you're ready to go back and put the hat back on the next day. It's a really difficult skill, I think, letting go of your professional voice, your professional hat, your professional head. Mm, definitely. That's so interesting. I, I love the fact that you've like combined that and it's all about resilience, really, isn't it? It's like everything you've mentioned there just makes you more resilient when you were mentioning like kind of emotionally detach yourself from it. Um, I was actually watching a program I'm not going to name it because I've been so long before for naming things I was watching a program the other day and um it's like a program where people lie and you have to kind of figure out who's the liar and um the woman who was speaking was was a vet and um she said I literally just have to emotionally detach like you might be operating on an animal and then you know maybe they pass away or whatever and then the next minute, she has to go into the reception and meet a, a girl with a puppy. I'm not sure if you've yeah. seen that episode yet. It's a good episode. <laughs> Just being able to do that will save yourself so much grief. Well, these are the kind of byproduct gift skills that you don't always expect to receive mm-hmm. when you follow like a, a performance pathway. You don't expect to um, develop skills like that, but actually they are there. Like I remember. Mm-hmm. The night my dad passed away, I had a, I had work that evening. So I'd gone to the hospital and something just takes over you then mm-hmm. and um, says, well, you know, let's look at the situation. There's nothing I can do here which will be of use, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I went to work and we had an amazing rehearsal. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a, an issue or the, but the ability to switch that off. Thank God I've always had that. Mm, yeah. I don't know if that's because I really prioritise my work above lots of other things in life, which maybe lots of people don't. But um, actually, it's, it's that's also kind of a coping mechanism. Mm, yeah, 100%. The ability to remove yourself 
for a moment. It's not forever. It's not it's not boxing mm-hmm. those issues up or those situations up. But it's just going, okay, well, this is happening now. Let me put that there for a second on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I'll do what I can do and then I'm, I'll pick it back up when I'm when I'm ready. I think there's a lot of people, you know, even if you're not looking at getting into the kind of the arts and the creative industry, those skills around, you know, that persona and that way of presenting yourself, whatever job you're doing, whatever world of work you're in and actually thinking about your professional self as, you know, not saying to people to act, but to have that present. And that is actually something that we could all probably benefit more from is kind of thinking about how we can use those skills in any environment, really. Yeah. I mean, we're so aware these days of, for example, mental health, anxiety, and we're so much more aware of how that's affecting people's ability to work these days, mm-hmm. you know, compared to how, how we used to be. And I think, and I hold my hands up here, I didn't truly give it the gravitas it deserves for a long time of my working life. I was very much a, oh, come on now, pull yourself together kind of person. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you grow and things happen to you and you have the experiences yourself. And you learn like, oh, wow, OK, this is this is really difficult. And um, so developing the ability to to become that person that puts things in a box and go to work might take years and years. But I think it makes you quite reliable as an employee. You know, you're not necessarily going to let what's going on in your head stop you from from working and, and you know, fulfilling your responsibilities. Oh, that's perfect. Obviously, just pulling things together, um, music and teaching is your passion. You can see that's evident. But could you tell us a little bit more about the work you do with non-musicians that focus on the voice more broadly? Oh, yeah. Um, so this was, again, an unexpected little string to the bow, you know, that um, that kind of happened. I, I did some work, some workshops with people who use their voice in a professional capacity. So this would include the both of you, obviously. <laughs> Um, but anyone really that that is in sales or that that talks directly people facing roles um they are professional voice users and actually it can really impact your engagement with your clients or who you're working with famous people that have done work like this for example Maggie Thatcher did a lot of vocal training uh, to develop her voice for the mammoth role she had um, if you look at early recordings of her voice, you know, she kind of speaks in this way and it's all very in, in this pitch and very rounded. And then later on in her, her speeches, you can hear she is much, much lower in the production of the sound, you know. And she she consciously undertook that training because she felt she wouldn't have the authority she needed as a woman in a room full of 200 men shouting and barking about policy. And so this is not a new idea. I think people, professional people have known about it for a long time. But I think there's all there's things we can all learn from that. The small, small changes we can make vocally just to look at the impression we're making with people. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, what I'm going to ask now is, but like we, we see students, graduates who are, worrying about presenting more and more or that preparation for going for an interview because obviously an interview is a way to sell yourself and your voice is often the way you do that so do you have any tips around you know things that students and graduates can do to prepare just to help them along the way with things like that great okay absolutely so these would be my my tips I'm kind of improving here so bear with the first thing I would I would say is practice the pace of delivery and what I see a lot of the time is, you know, if we're doing a workshop and we're going around saying names, people will say their name really quickly. 
or they'll go, hello, um, I'm Keith Fair, this is so-and-so. And we haven't had the time to absorb what your name yes. was. You know, so can you slow that down? Hello, my name is Kiefer. This is so-and-so. So give someone just two seconds. It's not a load of time just to absorb what your name is. Don't apologize for being there, first of all, you know, by scooting over your name. Your name's really important. So that would be the first thing is, is practice the pace of the delivery of that introduction you're making. Other things to consider is what type of contact can I get at the vocal fold? A lot of people will speak with this kind of contact and that's absolutely fine and you know sometimes you really need this contact for different reasons <laughs> um but but when you're introducing yourself you know that can seem kind of lethargic almost mm-hmm. um and i'm not saying to me on oh change the way you speak it's not that but when we're really pleased about being somewhere which of course is how you want to come across in a job interview maybe this kind of voice isn't going to give that impression so so something you can look at is what contact can I get at the vocal fold? Practice sounds in a glottal, glottal attack. Ah, eh, hello, hello, my name is, my name is. If that feels heavy to you, you're probably someone that speaks with a very heady quality, with a very thin fold, and that's not a criticism. But we are all capable of, of using different sounds. Um, and I think it does change the, the impression we make with people. So, um, you know, if I was working with someone who did have this quality, I would get them comfortable with this slightly thicker vocal quality. It sounds a bit more present. I'm eager. I'm pleased to be here. I'm feeling positive. Hello. Um, so I would go through all of the five vowel sounds. Ah, ah, eh, eh. E, e, oh, oh, ooh, ooh. First of all, you know, can I get that contact? So now if we hear people walking around Tanga <laughs> going, ah, ah, eh, eh, e, e, oh, I've probably missed a vowel. I, I need to revise my vowels, I think. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So interesting. That's, uh, I've never even thought of it that way. And I think, to be honest with you, Kiefer, I probably fall into the wispy kind of, Oh yeah, my name's Fiona Bracket. <laughs> so that's I've definitely learned something today and I will hundred percent pick that up. But you've obviously touched on this already with the I'm not even going to attempt to do what you guys just did, but with that piece. <laughs> um and I think we have made our listeners wait a little bit too long. So um can you give us uh, another maybe vocal exercise or anything you'd use to kind of warm up to, to something like an interview or singing so, a word? So once you've established the contact you can make a nice contact ah ah eh. after there we kind of think, okay, that's contact done. Now can I stretch that? So that means can I change that inflection? Can I change that pitch? without compromising on the contact. So if I was compromising on the contact, I'd go, ah, and I'd go to this voice because I've let go of the contact by trying to change that pitch. So once people are able to do, ah, ah, eh, eh, I'd get them to go, ah, ah, eh, 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 oh, 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 which is basically a big old complaint. Um, a big old cry in the voice so that you can um, maintain that lovely present uh, resonance in, in your spoken voice and still change inflections. And by inflections, we mean the different pitches we hit at different points in the way we phrase our sentences. People that don't do this are people, um, an example being Mark Drakeford, classic example, who all speaks in this very, very limited uh, range of pitches 
Um, and people will switch off if you're engaging with someone and you're speaking in a limited pitch range. So those inflections really give nuance um, and variations of the conversation, light and shade. It makes you sound interested. It helps you point certain words. Um, to get people's attention. So I would say the first port of call is, can I get a good contact? The second port of call would be, right, can I stretch that contact now and do this a little bit um, without going thin and airy? Shall we have a go, Fee? Are you going to give us some feedback, you know, live for, for our listeners? So why don't you both introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm a bit nervous about this. <laughs> so, hi, I'm Beth, and I'm here to host today's podcast. Okay, that was really interesting. So if we look at the inflection there, we went, hi, I'm Beth. So the inflection came down on the name. Again, this is a bit like an apology. Hi, I'm Beth. Beth. <laughs> hi, I'm Beth. Good, well then. And then what you did do, which was good, was you lifted, you pointed with the pitch, um, the word podcast, because that's why you're here. So you drew our attention to that. I think it was a nice resonant sound. You sound like you're pleased to be here. So that was good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Fee, oh, no. you'll go now. That so. makes me nervous. Uh, okay, do you know what? I will do it the way I know that I always do it so that, you know, you can actually give me real, real tips. So I think when I introduce myself, I go, um, hi, my name's Fion. Like, I always go Fion. I don't know why, but hi, my name's Fion. Um, I'm from North Wales. Okay. That's, that's really interesting as well. So if we analyse that, you know, where else do we hear this tone? Da 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 da. That's a question. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Fion. Um, I'm Fion. I'm, I'm not too sure about that. I think that's the name. So try that again with a bit more. Um, you know, really be strong about what your name is. Don't ask a question. Tell us the statement. Okay. What your name is. Okay. Okay. So I'd go. Hiya, my name's Fionn. Oh, that's lovely. And again? Yeah, <laughs> Hiya, my name's Fionn. That's really good. And yeah. people will start to take you a bit more seriously. Yeah, that I definitely you know, One thing I, I notice, um, you know, just from observing managers giving speeches to staff, you know, over the years and stuff, is a lot of a trend. Like a lot of them do this at the end. So basically, you know, that what we're trying to do here is not do this. Everyone, does that, does that make sense? Does that make sense is another classic line that people just overuse. So they, they tailor the end of their phrases turns into a question. And so the sales for so-and-so will actually be like this. Does that make sense? Um, and it's just, I hear it all the time and it irritates me so much now <laughs> because it's, it's ending in a question all the time. Sounds insecure. You know, mm. I'm not really confident about what I'm saying, but I, I need you to agree with me. And then looking for affirmation. Does that make sense? Mm. Um, so it does make you think about everything you're saying in a professional capacity slightly differently. But if you look at the great leaders who give these speeches in the world, their voices are really fascinating, the way they use their voices, whether they're good people or bad people. Um, mm. You know, they, I think they've really thought about that. And a lot of them, I'm convinced, have performance coaching, mm. you know, to deliver those speeches. So the other activity, so what was it, that, the avowal one? So how do you do that? Let's have a quick go at that yeah, before okay. we totally lose our brains okay. of thinking Just of things. Just to help you find that, you can say, in English or in Welsh, you can say, oh, no, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> you can find that complain quality. Oh, have no. a go. Oh, no. Good. 
It's quite cringy when people first have to do it. And basically what we're doing is we're crying, but with voice. Um, mm. Babies do this automatically when they come out of the womb. You know, they're fantastic. And they're so loud, a crying baby. My God, they know how to belt. They yeah. know how to make a big old cry sound. And of course, we get to three, four, and we, all we hear is shh, now shh, shh, shh. And we forget how to do it. So anyone that is going into singing professionally or vocal delivery, you know, finding this quality will really help dramatically change their voice. But in in the first stages of doing that, you do feel ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. Of <laughs> course. Um, what do we do as adults? We When we cry, we do it without voice. We go, <laughs> God, I can't believe you did that to me. Um, and so... To put the voice back in feels really odd and really strange, but something simple like, oh no, <laughs> will help you find that quality. Having a big old complain, a big moan about life uh, will find that, that connection in the voice. Oh, wow. I did not think I would be doing things like that when I um, came into work this morning, but... Oh, what 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 tips? I think this episode has definitely um, been the most engaging with us as, as hosts to really Aww. immerse us in the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel involved. It's quite nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we love to try new things as well. So perfect. But, um, and so that you... was tame. That that was tame. Oh, oh tame. gosh! <laughs> I could have got you to get your tongues out on all fours, <laughs> all kinds of crazy stuff. So you got off lightly, I think. Oh, okay. I'm happy with that because anything more has been funny. Okay, so I think we're coming to a close uh, shortly, but you have had, you've probably had loads of people, you know, involved in your journey so far. Has anything anyone's ever told you, like advice or tips, stuck with you and something you might uh, feel comfortable to share today? Oh, gosh. Wow, wow, wow. I can't think of a specific example where someone has said this phrase to me and it stayed with me. But the mm. one thing I have observed and time after time after time is, and something we can all look for, um, is the people who are really good at their job, the people who you want to engage with, the, the real positive people. Guess what? They don't have egos. This is the one thing I've observed consistently. Um, it's the it's the professionals, perhaps they're your colleagues, perhaps they're your competitors, people working at your level in the same kind of market. The ones who have the big egos are very, very often insecure about the questions they can't answer. Hmm. And so when I observe these people, and there's a lot, you know, especially in uh, the world of singing teachers, um, you know, who who will present themselves as gods of how their industry works and gods of, of, of voice. But this is a bit of a red flag. I think, you know, the genuine people who have had success, they don't have an ego with them. They're still very human. They create yeah. a living environment and a working environment that is comfortable and nurturing. And I think this is something we can all probably observe in the people we're engaging with professionally. Brilliant. Just to draw this to a close, although I, I do think we will be here chatting for hours and hours on end. So do you want to tell our listeners how they can find out more about what work you're doing and to keep up to date with your latest um, things that you've got going on? Oh, thank you. Well, you can find me on my website, which is Kiefer Jones, K-I-E-F-E-R. Yes, it's a difficult one to spell. KieferJonesVoice.com. 
Um, so if you are looking for vocal coaching, audition preparation, uh, then please do get in touch. I also do a lot of work with choirs across Wales. Um, so I'm happy to help with any exciting new projects that, that may be going on. Brilliant. And we, we will link the website and Kiefer's information in the description for this episode. So you will don't, not need to remember how to spell it just from the audio. Well, <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kiefer. You've been an absolutely amazing guest. Thank um, you so yes. Much. And thank you for everyone for listening. So tune in next month for yet another episode or you can listen back at the content we've previously recorded. There really is something for everyone. If you do have any suggestions for topics to cover or a speaker that you'd like to hear from, please feel free to send us an email on talent at banger.ac.uk or a direct message on our Instagram page at the Employability Service. So normally we end our podcast with the phrase bye for now. But today, as we have a singer on us, Kiefer, would you like to sing us out? Bye for now. <laughs>